I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Hey everybody, Mike Vardy here. Thanks again for joining me. And this week's episode is a really interesting one in that I didn't expect it to go the way it did and it turned out absolutely better than I could have expected. I have Ben Elijah on the show. He's the author of The Productivity Habit. And I don't want to spend too much time kind of talking about what we talked about because I've talked about it before. It's just great to have somebody else kind of echoing uh, the the ideas that I have. I was going to call this episode the echo chamber with, with Ben Elijah, but decided I was going to go in a different direction because, you know, that, that term can be... I just didn't want to go with that term. So there you go. Um, without further ado, let's just dive into it. This has been... This was one of my most... Um, it's one of my favorite conversations so far on the show. And we're what? Uh, we're, we're well into... We're approaching the 45 episode mark, 50 episode mark. So... Nearly a year in, this is one of my favorites so far because it just was uh, uh, serendipitous and an unexpected delight. So without further ado, let's dive into this uh, conversation I had with Ben Elijah this week on the show. Here you go. I have with me Ben Elijah. He is the author of The Productivity Habits and uh, of inkandben.com, which is, I mean, I look at the website, the first thing I see is, um, I'm not sure, are those cocktails that are on the desk or are they just regular bottles of, of, of iced tea or glasses of iced tea or something on the, on the homepage, Ben? Can you, that's the first question I have. <laughs> Depends what time of day you're looking at it. <laughs> Thanks for joining me this week on the show. Thanks for having me. So you've written a book and I want to talk about it because, uh, two of those, two of the key words in your, in your title are, are actually things that I, I align with quite well, productivity and habits. And, and I think that those two, like you've so, uh, neatly done, they go hand in hand. Can you mm. tell everybody a little bit about the book just off the top for those who haven't picked up? First off, it seems to be a very short read, which is important because you want people to be able to get through it and then get on with what they really should be doing with inside, with, with the material inside of it. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I designed it to be read. You know, theoretically in a day. Um, if someone's got a, a one-hour commute, then perhaps they could read the whole thing in uh, you know, well, half on the way to work and half on the way back. To answer your question, um, obviously, there's a lot of books out there on productivity, and I, I don't pretend to have the definitive uh, approach to it. But I guess to me, the um, a lot of it was is drawn from my own personal struggles, which are still ongoing. But I guess I, I read a lot of books, and you, you, know, you know, the sort of thing you agree with a you agree with every single word in the book, but nothing changes. Mm. And I think that that's because a lot of these books are not they're not necessarily written. I don't know. I, I, I could be cynical about it and say they're written to sell coaching rather than to help people, but you know, whatever. I guess they're written more just to express the concept rather than to help you adopt the concept. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I, I would I would also hypothesize that they're 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 designed to help you do more, not do more of the right things. Correct. Does that you know? I mean, I've read you and I have probably read. We could rhyme off how many times we've read. You know, let's let's use David Allen's "Getting Things Done" as an example. I've read the the old version several times, and then the new version I've already poured through a couple of times. And mm. I mean, the new version I actually find more appealing because of the it removes itself. And David even said that when he was on the show, it kind of it, it makes it a larger. It, it appeals to a larger audience because you're not just talking to the business folk anymore. You're talking to like it's a lifestyle thing. And I think what we see with a lot of these books, it's about do you want to get more done or do you want to get do you want to get more done and do less at the same time? And it's like, well, I think that that when you talk about 
productivity. And I want to get to this point because a lot of people equate productivity with just doing more and, and speed, right? And we've talked, I've mm. talked about that, but I want to know the, and effectiveness, but they're, they're very different, aren't they? Well, yeah, totally. I mean, there's a line in my book, which is that, um, you know, you could be great at a job that you hate, but I wouldn't call you very effective. I guess, actually, I, I suppose I should confess, actually, since publishing the book, I've come to actually quite dislike the word productivity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what are you going to call it now? The lifestyle <laughs> habits or just the habits? <laughs> the, the, the deed is done. I think uh, I have to sort of uh, that, that's water under the bridge. Um, but no, I guess the, for me, the word productivity, I guess it conjures up this sort of 19th century hellish industrial image of um you know, eight-year-olds working for 18 hours a day for a pittance and trying to sort of crank out more and more widgets per hour. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and, and when you think about it, I mean, Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism, talks about like the word priority and how it wasn't pluralized until the 20th, <laughs> until the Industrial Revolution. And I think pr- productivity, and I talked about this in the workshop I did, the, the Beyond Productivity, I think we've removed the personal component from it. You know what I mean? Agreed. I think it's 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 all about go, 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 fast, 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 now, 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 as opposed to like, let's take a step back and really kind of, you know, we have all the tools and we have all the, the, we have more now at our disposal than ever before. And yet we're still focused on just cranking out as much as possible as opposed to cranking out quality goods. You know, effectiveness to me is, and the difference between effectiveness and productivity as you've defined it, Mm -hmm. but effectiveness to me would mean, you know, kind of knowing what you're on the planet to do, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Um, and you know what, if you're working in a job that you despise and yet you're spending an hour every evening or so just working on something that actually is something you truly care about, then you know what, you, you've become infinitely more effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of it starts with you know, just being aware of what you're trying to do and what's important to you. And a lot of it's also around, you know, the way that you think and the way that you, uh, you know, you deal with the situations in your life. When, when it comes to a job you hate, and I mean, I've been there and I, I don't even know if I'd say I hated it. It just, my time had run out there, if that makes sense. I think that that, that, that's even something that people tend not to grab onto is that if they hate a job, it's, it's a lot easier to find something different in terms of, I hate this job and I'm, I'm, I'm repelled by it, but there's also the I'm complacent in the job. I'm, you know, I, I earn a paycheck and I get my vacation, and it'll it, it's okay. And I mean, that's kind of where I was at, and that's when procrastination can set in at a dangerous level in my mind because you're not inspired to move nearly as as you know effectively for to get out of that situation. So you've you've got uh, in the book you've introduced eight habits that can kind of turn that procrastination, whether it's you know out and out because you're exhausted or out and out because, you know, it's procrastination that's kind of just lingering there. You can turn those into productivity. And, and can you touch on those eight, eight habits or at least maybe give a, my listeners a bit of a, an overview of what, what they can expect to see when they start to, you know, put these eight habits into practice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I should preface this by saying that a lot of the, um, the structure of the book is defined by a concept called the habit loop, mm. which is um, a very simple representation of the way that you adopt a habit. Um, Charles Duhigg talks about it in The Power of Habit. Precisely. And, you know, his book was a massive, massive inspiration and help to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you start off with a trigger, which uh, you know does what it says on the tin, I suppose. You have the routine or the behavior, which is, you know, the visible sign of the habit. And then you have the, I guess you could call it the craving or the reward, which mm-hmm. drives the trigger. 
Um, so it's a loop. Um, and each of the habits in the book is designed around that. So um, it sort of starts off in, uh, if you've read Getting Things Done, it starts off uh, in a way that might sound a little familiar. So the idea of capturing and, uh, and processing. Um, but then we go off into a slightly different direction looking at, uh, looking at tools, um, which is a little odd because I don't normally like talking about tools, but it's important to understand uh, the difference between capturing and composing information or compiling information. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might use a, a pen or a pencil for taking notes in meetings, which is perfectly acceptable. Um, but that's not necessarily the right tool if you want to turn that into the finished, you know, the finished article. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that was one sort of interesting habit, which I think a lot of people seem to struggle with, but it's, uh, it's good fun if you can get it right. Well, and I think, uh, I, I think tools, just to touch on that really quickly, is that, I mean, the, the thing about tools is that most people, um, and I don't know if you address this in the book, but I've seen it before, where, where they figure the tool will do the job. If I right. have the tool, it, then, then I'm all set. That's the silver bullet, and that's just not the case. You know what? You could do this stuff with a pen and paper. You can do all of this stuff. If you went back 5,000 years to <laughs> like ancient Mesopotamia and all you had was a clay tablet and cuneiform, then you'd be able to handle it. This isn't something which depends upon the tool. Um, and there's a big difference as well between the system and the process. Mm-hmm. You know, the process is something which is going to last you a lifetime, but you're probably not going to be using the same smartphone for more than two years. Right, right. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. And the process is something that, again, back to your point about habits, that's the thing, as long as you build it and practice it and hone it, it's what sticks with you over time. And it's the thing that you can easily transfer from tool to tool to tool, right? Yeah, 100%. I guess moving on, um, I then have my own sort of treatment of uh, the, the idea of context, um, and uh, as I call them, situations. Um, because I think there's a difference between a situation and a context, um, which I can go into if you like. Please do. Yeah, yeah. Because then I want to talk about my – I think we're probably going to be on the same page with this. So, yeah, I'd like to hear what you have to say. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess I was really struggling with the idea of con- of context as, um, uh, as they were described in the first edition of Getting Things Done and the way that, um, you know, I guess people like Merlin Mann were talking about it um, going back to 2007, 2008. Um, and for me, the – the reason is that the constraint for me isn't so much one of place and resources. It's more one of um, time and mood. Um, so I was diagnosed with a mood disorder when I was quite young, and that's kind of defined the way that I've, you know, I've been able to work over the last ten or twelve years. Um, so I, I built this weird little system of contexts, you know, just based around how I was feeling. But even that didn't didn't really work. Um, Long story short, um, I came up with a concept called, which I call the context triangle, which is in the book. Um, and the idea is that it says that every situation that you find yourself in is a function of space, time, and thought. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So space and time, they work together to define the resources that you've got. Um, you know, There's a big difference between a bank, where you can take out some money, or the bank, where you've got to meet with a particular manager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's either a fixed resource or a floating resource. Right. Um, time and thought, that defines stability and entropy. So stability being, you know, fairly obvious, you're going to get interrupted. Um, entropy meaning how much information is there floating in the environment. So, you know, is there a lot of conversation going on? Are you taking a walk through a forest, which is a really information-rich environment? Or are you sitting in a bland office with four mica chairs? Um 
so that's a low entropy environment and they work together to define the you know the kind of creativity the mode of creativity that you can offer if you um uh, john cleese actually has a kind of yeah, uh, really really good talk on he this does. he does i was just gonna say yeah i mean yeah. john cleese that you need you, if you have all the space in the world but no time then you feel rushed if you have all the time in the world and no space you feel constrained and and, and and you can't be as creative and there's no value judgment on this Mm-mm. i mean you know what if i'm in a, an environment which where i'm going to get interrupted quite a lot or it's a busy office or something perfectly suitable environment for ticking off tasks or for, for doing basic admin stuff you know stuff that i guess you could say requires what i might call closed creativity so um you know maybe editing rather than actually writing would be the distinction so you're just making decisions that are focused and maybe slightly anxious you're not really creating anything new you're not playing mm-hmm. um Whereas I might go to a cafe with four hours or three hours, you know, blocked out. It's a wonderful environment just to sort of start throwing down ideas. But I don't want to waste that by doing, you know, brain dead admin stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now, a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. So let's shift gears a bit and let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, what about the broader picture? So you've got these, uh, you know, I mean, you've got a sense of, okay, we've got the context triangle. How 
habits are gen- generally designed in my mind to ke- to last over the long term and help you achieve some of the long term things you want to do. So in your book, how do you how do you dive into that stuff so that we get beyond just the day to day, which it sounds like, you know, your book is definitely said, okay, let's get through today and then let's move into the week. And how do we go beyond that with, with what you what you talk about in the book? It's a really good question. Um, so there's one of the habits, one of the later habits in the book called the importance tree. And uh, it's it was a it was a difficult uh, <laughs> it was difficult to write because it's something that I've been doing myself for a, a number of years and I've been working with a lot of people on, uh, but I've never really kind of codified the method. Mm-hmm. Um, the essence is this: um, every need that you have in life, like right now, and if you open up your to do list, um, you'll see all of these things that you could describe as needs. You know, need mm-hmm. to buy the groceries, need to. I don't know, uh, fix the roof, <laughs> whatever. Um, but every need is predicated by a want. It's underpinned and driven by a want. I need to buy a pencil because I want to finish chapter four of my novel. And then you can turn it on its head and start using it as a ratchet. So I need to finish chapter four of my novel because I want to, you know, write the book. I need to write the book because I want to, you know, be a writer, uh, you know, whatever. So you can start going... And repeating this, I guess you could call it an algorithm, over and over. Mm-hmm. And the things that you uncover are you know, deeper and deeper and more, um, I guess you could say, relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you can uncover is all of them have a sense of progression, a sense of um, intention about them. You know, world mm-hmm. peace. <laughs> it's still, this, I want to bring about world peace. Well, you're describing the universe as it is now implicitly, and you're describing the universe as you'd like it to be. So there's a difference between the two. So there's an, and it's an intention which bridges that gap. But what's quite useful is that when you go up to a certain point, you then start saying, okay, well, I, I, I need to do this because I love something or because I care about something. And there's no intention in something that you love. There's no uh, sense of, of movement in something that you care about. It's almost like an aesthetic preference. Um, and that's really powerful um, because that's the stuff that's kind of, I guess you could call that the trunk of the importance tree. And that defines who you are. It defines what you care about and ultimately how you act. And that model's quite powerful because it basically creates a structure which allows you to link it's kind of like david allen's horizons of the uh, horizons of focus but it allows you to link what you're doing right now to why you're on the planet right it's not so far it's not so far removed instead of being different levels it's it's <clears throat> they're all interconnected i mean if you're flying you could see the ground but you're not going to be able to touch it whereas right. in a tree you could the importance tree you definitely could precisely you've got it and what's quite useful about this is that it allows you to make certain statements. So um, if there's a really tenuous link between an action that you have to do, whether or not you like it or not is irrelevant. But if the, if the link is tenuous between um, that action and something that you care about, then you'll feel a sense of, you know, well, why am I bothering? You know, it's, it's, it's either fake work, you know, like, you know, looking at something on BuzzFeed or it's ultimately, you know, that it's irrelevant. So that's, you know, that can be really, really useful. Yeah, that, um, that is, that is. It's uh, Ben, the more we talk, and, and I have to preface this for everybody listening, um, we've never actually talked before. We, we've, um, <laughs> and and the stuff that you're bringing up is, is it's, it's uh, you talk about the needs and the wants, um, mm. which is great because 
Um, a few episodes ago, uh, I talked about the now year formula where I talk about the, mm. the need. So you get, I mean, the, the, this, this process that, that I've developed allows you to get through, deal with the things you need to do, decide on the things you ought to do and ultimately do more of what you want to do because those needs and wants are, I don't like the term have to, right? And that's, I think a lot of people get stuck on that have to, right? I, I have to do that. Well, you can't link back to that because have to sounds like it's being th- forced upon you. Whereas right. need is, is like you said, it's driven by a want, an initial want and vice versa. Well, what's really quite cool about this method is that that connection um, from, I guess you could say, the leaf of the tr- you know, the mm-hmm. leaves of the tree to the trunk, the strength of that connection is what I call relevance. Right. Okay. Now, what's quite interesting is that let's say that um, I don't know you're in an office environment and you're working on a project which might happen to be deeply relevant for you, but you get a message from your boss who wants you to go out and buy him a sandwich. And that's not relevant to what you're doing, but you still feel a sense of urgency to do it because ultimately, you know, let's explore that different thread. You need to, you know, buy the, you know, you need to buy the sandwich because you want to keep the boss happy. You need to keep the boss happy because you want to keep the job. You need to keep the job because you need to pay the mortgage. You need to pay the mortgage because you want to, you know, look after your family and you need to look after your family because you love your family. Um, so we are describing a, a model where one branch of the tree or one sort of thread on the tree is disrupting another, and I call that urgency. And it's your decision between relevance and urgency and how you respond to that which defines the relative importance of that task. So you're able to actually effectively use that as a model for describing what is a priority. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Again, I have to say, out of all the guests I've had on the show, we are speaking almost the exact same language, albeit with different accents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is this is great stuff. And I think that what you've written and what you're talking about, I mean, like I said, I haven't read the book yet. But based on what you've uh, – first off, I don't know if I should. Uh, I'll be like, no, that <laughs> sounds like me. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds a lot like what – but I mean, no, I, all kidding aside, I mean, the, the ideas are, are there. I mean, I think – what happens when you spend time in this space? Now, how long have you studied productivity for? Let's let, like like how long have you studied this stuff for? Um, since I've struggled with it, really. So, so 17, si- 17, 18 years. Yeah, so it's about the same time frame that I have. Right, and it's interesting because I talk about the journey of being like an enthusiast to being a strategist, and how each of those waypoints along the way nothing i don't really leave anything behind like i'm always going to be enthusiastic about it but how your relationship with it changes right like initially you're just trying to make it work for you and then all of a sudden you're you're figuring out existing ways that are going to work for you and for others and then eventually you become this person who is offering your own ways and saying hey this has worked for me here's what you should try and i think that out of all the guests i've had so far the journey has been almost parallel almost mm-hmm. aligned um, so I'm, I'm, this is, this is really great stuff. A quick question, because I think this is a good way to wrap up because a lot of the stuff I talk about, I mean, it, it's, it's, this is all well and good for people who, um, who I want to like, do you have kids and stuff? You have, you have family and stuff like that, or is it just you flying solo? Uh, I, uh, I have no kids that I know about. Okay. <laughs> are you, do you, are you in a, you're married in that though, right? Or no? 
<laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm single at the moment. See, so that changes the game too. So it's interesting that a lot of people will say, uh, "Oh, well, you know, I uh, it's all well and good for you because you're single and you can get away with this stuff." But that's simply not true because you and I, I mean, we we both have philosophically the same approaches to things and i'm married and have two young kids so Mm. if it works for me and it works for you then it does have that flexibility and it does transcend Uh, and we're also on completely different continents too so it's not a cultural thing either right well it's look you know what everyone's constrained by a certain amount of time because you know what you might not have kids but you might be in a job which expects you to be at the desk for 14 hours every day, mm-hmm. um, which as an aside is probably a sign that you need a new job, but hey. So it, it's a question of what you do with your free time, unless you're basically in, you know, in hock to someone for all of your waking hours. Um, and you know, so there is literally no time whatsoever, quite literally no time to do anything else. Unless you're in that situation, then I don't think that... You you can say that there's no room for improvement. It might require um, a change in habit. It might require a little bit of discipline. Um, but if you have the desire to do something more meaningful with your life, then life's too short not to do it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone, you got to go check out inkandbend.com. If you read the, some of the, I mean, you've, you're writing about, uh, we use the same tools. I mean, Mike Brody's <laughs> a friend of mine. <laughs> I've been reading, I'm looking at your blog post. I'm like, he's okay. He's a great guy. He is. He's awesome. Did you meet him? Did you have a chance to meet him before? Or We've not met in person. We've yeah. met digitally. But, yeah, uh... he, he's, he's pretty great. I know he's been over to Europe at least once recently. So you're using Scrivener. That's what I'm working on my next, as most people who are serious about writing books should, I think. Are you suggesting that there are people who aren't using Scrivener? I think some of them are using the Ulysses, to be honest. That's all right. It's, well, yeah, I think it's, I think it's because of the iPad app. I really, really wish that, that there was that. And you even have, see, and then the other thing is, is the waterproof notepad. Um, I don't have one because what happened was, is that my, uh, my kids had those soap crayons. So I would quickly jot things down on there. But my job then was to clean the shower stall because my wife's like, I'm not cleaning that off. Like, that's ridiculous. So we, and I don't think I can get the Aquanaut stuff here in Canada. You obviously can get them in the UK via Amazon, but I couldn't. So mm. I'm going to spend some time reading more of your work because I didn't, uh, uh, you know, it, it, uh, to echo Brett, Brett Kelly doesn't want to hear the term echo chamber. He mentioned that on Twitter today, but holy smokes. Um, <laughs> this is an echo chamber. This podcast, we might call it the echo chamber with Ben Elijah. Because <laughs> but, um, so we're going to hear the end of that. <laughs> so where can people get your book? Where, because uh, I, and I highly recommend anyone who's followed my work and is into what I've talked about. Go to inkandben.com and then pick up your book. Where can they pick it up, Ben? Uh, so uh, I'm on Amazon, um, both in the US and uh, US and Canada as well, and I think throughout Europe as well. Um, you can get the ebook on iBooks as well, mm-hmm. and I think it's on Google Play as well, um, which uh, came out quite recently. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's out there if you want uh, either the digital or the paper copy. Um, the paper copy is quite nice, actually. We uh, we had it sort of uh, printed in this moleskin-style format, so it's got like a little elastic binder, and it's uh, oh. a little bit smaller than uh, uh, the normal books. So uh, that's kind of cool. Very, very cool. And uh, if you go to Amazon, uh, oddly, 
oddly enough, and actually probably not so oddly enough, but you've got the Sketchnote Handbook and Sketchnote Workbook is showing up as two customers who viewed this item, as well as David Allen's Getting Things Done. So, <laughs> so you're in you're in great company there. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, let's keep in touch, okay? Because I'm sure there's lots more for us to talk about in the future. Definitely. It's been fun. And that is this week's episode. You know, it's... It's really great when I get to have a conversation with somebody and we have so much in common in terms of our philosophical line of thinking and we're aligned in a lot of the same ways. Sure, we probably are using different words to describe it, but this was a really great, great discussion. And I, I, I'm really happy to have been able to connect with Ben and look forward to connecting with him again in the future. Um, if you are listening to the show and you're wondering, hey, Mike said there was a really like this is a longer discussion. He's really you know in a conversation. Um Where's the rest? Or is there the rest? Or is there more? Yes, there's more. The Patreon supporters get their own version of the podcast, which has every waking minute of what we did. Um, If you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash productivityist, and you can do that. Whether you're contributing at a dollar or $50 or somewhere in between, you will get the Patreon feed of the show. If you commit at $5 or more, you're going to get it a few days early. You'll get it, uh, and that way you can listen to it before, you know, anybody else does and that way you can ask questions before it comes out and all that fun stuff there's there's lots available there um there's other perks you know there's 20 minute coaching sessions there's you'll get um the course i did with steve dotto called task apps made easy that's another thing you'll get if you contribute at a certain level so check it out patreon.com slash productivityist um again if you're also interested in just supporting the show in any way that you can uh itunes reviews are helpful facebook head over to the facebook group uh, so you say you like the show, go over to facebook.com slash productivity is the, the Facebook page rather and say, Hey, you know, love the show. Here's what I'd like you to do more of. Here's what I didn't really like that kind of thing. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We're productivity is on Twitter. I personally am Mike Vardy on Twitter. Um, we're doing more Instagram. I'm doing more Instagram stuff. So head over and you can follow me on Instagram as productivity just on Instagram. There's lots going on. I'm, uh, as we head into the summer, I know it's kind of like the the downtime of summer where everyone kinds of relaxes and stuff like that. I have no major projects that I'm going to be working on in the month of July, but I am going to be working on several projects. <laughs> so uh, expect to hear more about that as the weeks and months continue to roll on. As we head into the second half of the calendar year, uh, for both of us, for those who start in February like I do and those who start in January like most other people. Uh that's it for this week. Thanks again for joining me. Um, again, pick up Ben's book, The Productivity Habits. Uh, head over to productivityist.com to see everything else we've got going on. Go to beyondproductivity.com if you're interested in picking up my new uh, new workshop. Uh, it's now available. $59 till the end of June if you're interested. Four hours of video content, additional audio content. There will be worksheets. You'll have access to it forever at that price and the price will be going up consistently up until the end of the year so you'll want to lock in on that price point while you can Uh, until next week i will see each and every one of you and hopefully a few more and until then stop guessing start going take care